step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network. This podcast is being brought to you by Secure Gifts, pioneers in digital giving to help fuel and fund the ministries of churches and nonprofits all over the country. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Coffee with Preachers. I'm hanging out today with a guy that I've just admired from a distance from a long time, and I'm really honored to be just sitting down, hanging out with him in person today. His name is Todd Wagner. He is the lead pastor of Watermark Church in Dallas, Texas, a church that is uh, grown to a, a body of around 20,000 people, um, and they're impacting folks all over the world through a variety of different channels and resources. It's one of the healthiest churches I've ever been a part of. In fact, I was just having lunch with some of the members of Todd's team uh, right before this interview, and I love hanging out with these guys, man. There is just authenticity in their DNA. Todd is, is a husband, a dad. Um, he is a family man, a leader, an author. In fact, I'm reading his book, Come and See, right now. And Come and See is an amazing resource that kind of tells the story of Watermark Church. And they're in a series right now called How He Built This, giving God all the glory for what's happening at Watermark. And so, Todd, just to jump straight in, why don't you give us a little bit of the Cliff's Notes version of this supernatural move of God that has happened here at Watermark Church over the last couple decades? Yeah, all right, we'll do Cliff Notes. That is, you know, listen, if anybody uh, does get the bug and really wants to hear more of the story, we're, we're entering into our 20th year. Myself and just a small group of friends started this thing right at the turn of the millennial. Uh, you know, year. And we're doing a series almost 20 years later now called How He Built This. And if anybody really wants to, they can just hit watermark.org, look at that series, and they're going to get more than they want. Because we're talking there about just some of the core values, the core beliefs, the core commitments that we made that um, God decided to work in the middle of. But, you know, Watermark was um, just my, my effort with some friends to, I, I guess the easiest way to say it is rather than curse the darkness, to light a candle, yes, right? Everybody good. always has an idea about what they would do if they did something. And, you know, you, I think, you know, the Lord just said, hey, man, listen, if you don't really like what you're underneath, why don't you undertake what I want all my people to be, which is a part of a healthy, thriving local community. And so that's exactly what we did. We didn't want to tell anybody what they were doing wrong. We just decided to pursue what we believe, what it would look like if we did it right. You know, and so we just opened God's word and, and, and just really believed that the description of the early church 
in the book of Acts, right? Not, not the prescription. I mean, it doesn't necessarily prescribe certain behaviors, but it certainly describes certain things. The book of Acts is a transitional book that anybody knows who studied their Bible long. And so there's some things that, that happen in there that necessarily don't need to look the same way today, but what should look the same way is what happens when God's people, you know, gather together. Some of that, what they pay attention to, the apostles' teaching, you know, the breaking of bread together, which has more than just communion, just life together, prayer and, and things of that sort, having favor with all the people, a sense of awe in their midst, a selflessness that kind of harkens back to what the Savior himself modeled and prayerfully, you know, the Lord adding to the number day by day, by day those who might be saved. And so we just said, man, let's, we're not experiencing that in some of the local communities that we're a part of. Why don't we just dive in and try and see if God wants to do that together? And that was really one of the initial things that kind of set us up for this. We, we just kept saying, man, we believe God's going to do something in the world today to glorify himself. And if he's willing, why not, why not with us? One of the verses that's been real formative for me is Second Chronicles 16.9, which says the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth, looking to strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. But we just said, okay, there's our job. Let's just do what we can to decrease that he might increase, to spur each other on to love and good deeds, and to try and be the men and women that God would strongly support. And we figure if he's going to strongly support us, it's going to be amazing. Absolutely. And so sometimes people look at us and just go, man, are you surprised at what's happened? You know, and I always answer that this way. I always say, well, look, I know who I am. So yes, of course, right? I know what a wretch I am. I tell people all the time, if, if you know, you knew who I was, man, you, you wouldn't come listen to me teach. You wouldn't follow me as I follow Christ. I mean, who I am in and of myself apart from Christ, sure. obviously. But then we always kind of jokingly say, and if I knew who you were, we wouldn't let, <laughs> right. wouldn't let you in, right? right. So, um, so on one, on one hand, I know the sin that Jesus saved me from and is saving me from, right? Uh, the justification that happened at the cross, I'm very well, very much aware of, of why I needed that. And I'm, I'm very also, I think, prayerfully aware of the sanctification that still needs to be happening day by day. I look forward to that day when that process cleps out all the way to glorification, but I know I'm not there yet. So on that, in that sense, yes. But then on the other hand, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, right. Because it's God. It's, it's it's right. It's God, and you got to be a little careful because I think there are guys who are more faithful than I am, guys whose hearts are more completely His than mine, whose ministry, if you will, doesn't look like this one, right? right? On the scale. Yeah, on the scale, and and uh, that's that's a good distinction, you know. So size is not always a sign, right, of health. Sure. Neither is the fact that it's growing because, you know, as I said in this series, you know, how he built this is that there's a lot of unhealthy things that grow. Weeds grow, cancer grows. You know, it shows that it's alive. Size shows something's alive, but what can be alive is not necessarily work of the spirit. You know, we know the scripture says that the enemy disguises himself as an angel of light and our world is quickly attracted to anything that is bright and shiny and uh, growing and, and attracting attention. And it's why I think so many ministries that are some of the larger, more infamous ministries aren't necessarily some of the better works of the Lord. So my job is not to necessarily be the arbiter of which ones are bright, shiny, and deceptive. My job is to make sure that uh, that this work here isn't deceptive. Well, and there's such an authenticity about it. And I think that, I mean, that even goes back to the name Watermark, which mm-hmm. is a, a line of authenticity. And that's just in the DNA here. And why do you think mm-hmm. that maybe even though that should be everywhere, every church should have that kind of authenticity that just draws people in and we can, we can, we can be ourselves completely and fully. 
that, not to talk negatively about any church or any movement, but why that's a struggle, it seems like, so many places. And when people think of the church as a, as a whole, the capital C church, authenticity might not be one of the first words or even a word at all yeah. that they would think of. And yet it's something that has happened here. So what is something that you would like to see the body of Christ as a whole um, do to, to capture that authenticity that Christ has for us? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I think that's that's all we want, right? That's part of having a heart that's completely his. Yeah. You know, the people, I, I tell people all the time, and if you hate hypocrites, Jesus is your guy. I don't know anybody that hated hypocrites more than he did, right? I mean, he tore into hypocrites like nobody I've ever seen. Read Matthew 23, yeah, right? Yeah, flip over some tables. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, he just wasn't really impressed with people that were impressed with himself. And, you know, one, one of the things that I, I just say, one of the keys to getting well, 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 Jesus said this, very first words out of God's mouth after 400 plus years of silence in the New Testament, blessed are the poor in spirit somebody who knows the condition of their own soul. You know, it's amazing to me how many times people spend so much effort trying to impress you that they're not impoverished in spirit, right? right. Now, we know in Christ, you know, all our needs are met. But, you know, a lot of times we're trying to impress people not with who we are in Christ, but just who we are. Yeah. And uh, that that is that's a problem. It's like you know you know you've got a background in marriage ministry, right? And I and I'm always laughing at people who have to act like they never struggle in their marriage. And I always <laughs> want to say to them, I go, why do you what do you, why are you so committed to making the Bible untrue? <laughs> yeah. And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, the, the, my scripture says that if you marry, such will have trouble. And all I've heard you do is act like you got the best marriage in the world without any work. And I I mean, so apparently. You know, the scriptures didn't mean what they meant when it applied to you. But I, you're marrying, you know, at least in my marriage, we work hard. You know, we, we our, our relationship is forged. We didn't just find the love of our life where we gallop together on a white horse into a perpetual sunset. That's just, that's not, that's not my, you know, that's not my story. And it, frankly, it's not the story of the church, right? And so... Uh, I, I am not a big fan of political correctness. I'm not a fan of what I would just call as spiritual correctness. And, and, and what I mean by that is just kind of the societal churchianity where we all kind of smile and uh, are kind to each other, but then we devour each other behind our backs. The very opposite of what it says we should do in Scripture. Yeah. The Scripture says, speak the truth to one another in love. And what most people do is they go, well, we don't, we don't tell each other that stuff. We just talk about each other behind our back, which, of course, doesn't allow anybody to grow. And it's why I saw so many people who were around good, quote-unquote, churches, you know, for decades, and they never changed. Because every, everybody else knew what was wrong with them, but no one was took the time to tell them that. Right, yeah. You know? There was no admonishing or relationship. Yes. It was just gossiping. Yeah. That's, that's right. So, I mean, that whole, that whole authenticity thing, right? Uh, 1 Timothy 1.5, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And a pure heart doesn't mean I think that you're perfectly pure. A pure heart means, man, this is really who I am. You know, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to masquerade before you. I'm, I'm going to let you know that um, I'm going to let you love me, and let you model for me the grace that you say you've received, and I'm going to model for you the grace that I've received. And I think. You know, the most popular TED Talk, I'm told, that has ever been given was by Dr. Brene Brown. And, and she says that the key to health in human existence is vulnerability and authenticity. Yeah. Right? And so if there's anybody that ought to be the definition of healthy, it ought to be people that don't have to pretend that there's something they're not. I mean, the only requirement to be a part of Jesus' church is that you've got to bow your knee and say, I'm a broken individual. 
And so why the church would be the one place where you have to act like you're not broken just is beyond me. It stuns me. And so I, 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 we just, from the very beginning, we go, man, we're just a bunch of garrison demoniacs that bumped into Jesus, right? And so we take turns celebrating our stories of grace. And I'll tell you, by the way, I think one of the greatest stories of grace is that, like for our kids, that they've been raised here. And because they've been raised here, they have more joy and less scars because they've been surrounded by a community of, I think, genuine Christ followers. But they still come to need, come to see their need for a savior, even though they don't have their own scars. They, they, they see what God's standard of holiness really is. So they don't need to go be a garrison demoniac. Yeah. They just need to know that the reason that they're clothed in their right mind is from an early age. They became aware of the grace of God, but they need to embrace Jesus as their savior and not just benefit from the, the, the covenant of grace in the community that they live in. Every single Israelite needed to make a decision as to whether or not they were going to love the God of Jacob, right? Meanwhile, they were going to prosper if, if at that particular time they were living underneath a righteous king. You know, they still need to be a righteous individual. And as you know well, I mean, righteousness comes to individuals, you know, not just to a, a corporate group of people. God has no grandchildren. Right. And so some of the greatest miracles of grace here at Watermark are kids, you know, that have not. My, my daughter's the one who said that to me first. She just said, Dad, I've got more joy and less scars because of the fact that from an early age, I embrace the truth of my need for a savior. Yeah, can, a, can a father hear better words? No, than that? no. I mean, that's that is just winning. I, mm. you've done it right. Is is a is a dad, and I think that's just talking to your staff. Some of the things that they they brag on you about is is mm. that that you you led so well at home that mm. you coached dozens and dozens of your kids' <laughs> teams. Um, mm-hmm. That you were there, and now you've got kids who are who are grown or mostly grown, yeah. and they they love you, they love each other, they love mm. the Lord. Uh, that's. Man, that's a gift. I love some of the stories you share about your kids, even in the book. Mm. And, you know, one of the metaphors you use, kind of <laughs> modern true story parables, is, is the whole, like, settling for the bottom shelf. And you talk about your kids going into a gas station when they were little, and you're like, I'll get you anything you want. But they didn't trust you yeah. that the good stuff was on top, and they wanted those atomic fireballs that were going <laughs> to taste good for a second and then burn their tongue afterwards. And so why do you think we live in a culture where even though – so many people are disillusioned and frustrated, and they they're unhappy. Yet they keep going for the bottom shelf. What what, what is it in us or in our in our society or in our brokenness? But both inside and outside the church, it seems that there's just this tendency to not trust our Father and to go for that junk on the bottom shelf when there's so much so much better available. Yeah, um, it's just not a long walk for me to Adam, right? You know, and so the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. I think that I would do better if I was my own God. Yeah. And, and so I think that's why, right? I, lean, I, I have a tendency to lean on my own understanding, to in all my ways acknowledge me. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and so, you know, what happens is that when um, you do that, eventually, you, you know, you get that, that sweet little thin layer of, uh, of sugar that comes with sin. But, man, it, there's a bitterness underneath Absolutely. it that makes you go, this isn't working out so well. But it's amazing how quickly... We can forget the sting of sin, and we go back to it again and again. I mean, it's Proverbs fourteen twelve. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it's the way of death. And so, you know, I, unfortunately, you know, I, I don't have the same story as my daughter. I, I didn't know the goodness of God early in my life, and so, you know, I had to grab some things that I thought would be life-giving because I'm smarter than everybody else. You know, my earthly father and my heavenly father, who I wouldn't know. But I was pretty sure because of what was represented to me. And this is a big piece of it, Dave, is that 
all I saw folks doing was with the form of godliness that lacked its power. I saw an irrelevant, inauthentic, uninspiring thing called church. And it wasn't Jesus' church, but it was what you went to uh, for an hour a week. They put their biggest Bible, apparently you can buy, up in this thing called a lectern. And they read a short passage from it. A guy, you know, tipped his hat to it and then told a few stories and closed with a poem. And then we all went and did whatever we wanted for the next week and went back. You know, that was what I was exposed to. That, that, that was not what I'm sure a lot of your listeners are exposed to, but it's what I was exposed to. And so I, I thought, I, I, you know, I got rules at school. I got rules in, rules in sports. I got rules at home. Why would I join a club that doesn't have inspiring meetings with people whose lives aren't changed? It's got the thickest stinking rule book I've ever seen. <laughs> right. 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 And so I'm out. And, and then I realized that, hey, man, the Bible's not a rule book. It's, it's a love letter. It's a, it's, it's a revelation in the context of history of God pursuing the people that had spurned him and had gone their own way. I, I was definitely a son of Adam, and I saw his love for me and his pursuit of me. And then when I understood who he was, I, I couldn't stop telling people about it. This podcast is being brought to you by my good friends at SecureGive, some of my best friends on the planet. Founded the company of SecureGive, work for the company of SecureGive. There is no place like it. These guys are the real deal. In my 10 years living in Augusta, Georgia, where SecureGive is located, I got to see up close, firsthand, just how honorable these guys really are. SecureGive, they have been pioneers in digital giving to help fuel and fund the ministries of churches and nonprofits all over the country. Every church, every nonprofit needs a digital giving solution and strategy. SecureGive has a full-scale ecosystem to help you reach every donor, every giver, and maximize every donor and every giver through a variety of services, including online giving, text-to-give, kiosks, mobile apps, and a variety of other services that are going to help you reach the people that call your church home and continue to fund and fuel the mission and ministry of your church. SecureGive is ministry-minded. They love the local church. They employ people that serve and love the local church. They actually have a pastor, a retired pastor on staff whose whole job is to pray for and encourage the churches that SecureGive serves. I dare you to find any other digital giving company with that kind of ministry mindset. Man, SecureGive is the real deal. I love these guys, and I'm truly honored to call them friends. Do yourself a favor and look them up. Give them a call. You're going to talk to the same people every time you call. They're going to treat you like family. So go to SecureGive, S-E-C-U-R-E-G-I-V-E.com, SecureGive.com, and let them take care of you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Have you ever wondered what God has planned for you and your future? What were you made to do? Who were you made to be? It's time for answers, and in Case Carson's new book, Born For It, 90 Days and 90 Ways to Discover Your Gifts and Purpose, you'll be challenged to learn how to hear and trust God's voice while also understanding your unique gifting. 
God has special plans for each one of us, and it's our job to discover and fulfill His purpose for us. Perfect inspiration for the young graduate who's looking to their future. This brand new book, made available by our partners at Sondervan, is available April 23rd wherever you buy books. Get your copy today. I never wanted to be a pastor. You know, it wasn't at all what I thought I was going to do. But by the grace of God, He's let me be useful to people. I can't think of anything that's easier to do than invite people to something that you have been blessed by. Right? You, you see a good movie? Like, oh, man, yeah. you, tell, come on, tell I'll me. buy you a ticket. Come to this movie with me. You'll, yeah, you the rest of it. your life, I think this might be your favorite movie, and you're always going to remember Wagner was the guy that took me to go see Braveheart, right? That's right. You know? And um, and so I'm like, I'll buy the ticket. Let's go. Come on, man. You, I love you, Braveheart. Yeah, right? Or a good restaurant, or a good book, or whatever it might be, man. It's like, listen, have you heard this song yet? Fired up on Spotify. Listen to this song. Isn't that amazing? You know? And, and uh, you love to share things you love. And I think the reason most people don't share their faith is that they don't really love. They don't love God, yeah. right? I mean, have you ever seen a girl who just got engaged who is covering her ring? No, she's of course that not. Thing up everywhere. No, and, and I, I think a lot of people are in an arranged marriage, man. They just don't. Uh, somebody else has told them they're supposed to love God, and they're and they're a little bit bitter about it. But so anyhow, I mean, I, I don't want to digress, but this is a community that I'm a part of here. You know, we we call Watermark just because I guess local assemblies have a name, whether it's Ephesus, Colossus, or Watermark. That uh, of people that know what we have been saved from and know what we have been saved for. And we're just having a blast. I, I, I honestly don't think of this because the word has so much baggage for me. I, I don't think of what we're doing here as church. I think of what we're doing here uh, as a mission and as just friends together living in our city who follow Jesus, which is what the church is, of course. Exactly. Right? But for me, church was a building and a place and an hour and a thing, not a people. And so I had to be saved from that idea. And so what's been going on at Watermark now for almost 20 years is that we have been a people. And um, now we have buildings. Now we have, you know, pretty consistent gatherings, right? But And we have to do a ton of work to make sure that people don't think those buildings or those gatherings are the church, right? And so uh, we work hard to say, welcome to this gathering of Watermark. Uh, we don't ever say welcome to Watermark, or if we do, we catch ourselves and correct right. it, right? Because it's just a, the vernacular that has, be, has become the modern church. Yeah, yeah. associated with the building when it really, it was never intended to just... Yeah, words mean something. In fact, you know, if people, you know, I, I think you can just go to Google Pics and you can see, we designed a building that would be useful to God's people. And it's, it's, it's I mean, it's a cool building, right? It's, it's, it's super cool. It's a fun place to hang out, which is exactly what you'd want to create if you're trying to reach and serve people. But sometimes folks will say to me, they'll go, man, I, hey, I was just at your church, which is a, a problem with that pronoun. But they'll say, man, it's just beautiful. And I always take advantage of that. I just look at them and go, well, man, who'd you meet? And they go, what? They go, well, and I said, your church is beautiful. I go, I know, who'd you meet? I go, oh, are you talking about the building? Yeah, man, that's a cool building. But the people, the church, is what's really beautiful. And so I just use those kind of conversations. I mean, maybe it's corny, maybe it's not. But I genuinely, the reason I love being a part of this body here is because there's not, I think almost in every church, there is a pocket of real health where where God's at work. Like maybe it's this class or this communicator and this discipleship group, and you got to be very specific to invite them to that thing. And sometimes we invite people say, what I mean is go to this. And, right. and, and one of the things I love about here is 
I don't care what you bump into here. Uh, there are at Watermark. I mean, I'm just really, really proud to be associated with others that are living in response to the kindness of God and who are just doing the best they can to get after it and serve people. It is, it's a blast when you're hanging with other people who are living in God's grace and seeking to extend it. Now we got a lot of work to do here, but we are all going, you know, we, we, we set a ton around here, man. These are the good old days right now that we're living in. And that doesn't mean it's, it's always easy and we're healthier and wealthier and more prosperous. It just means we see God at work even in the midst of our our, our difficulties and trials. So it's a blast. And it, guys, if you if you're listening right now mm. and you are anywhere in DFW area <laughs> and you do not have a church home, mm. come come and see. Yeah, man. come and see as they say. Come and see campuses in uh, Dallas, Plano, Frisco, Fort Worth. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, or online watermark.org. Mm. Check out Todd's book. Come and see. Check out the the online teachings. It, wherever you are, if, if you know, I'm a marriage ministry guy. There are churches all over the country doing reengage, which mm. is the marriage ministry program here at Watermark, which is it's genuinely the best, the best uh, marriage ministry program that I've seen. And, and you know, one of the reasons I, I I I'm encouraged by it is because it's letting the church be the church again. I just, you know, we don't do any marital counseling at Watermark in the sense that you know, a pastor gets a call, our marriage is in trouble, can we come meet with you? We just go no. But you, you can come join whoever you want, you know, to um, sit in a circle with other people that are trying to find God's grace that and, and, and God's way that restores human relationships with us. But no, we're not going to meet with just the two of you to hear you guys drone on and on about how sorry you are that you married each other. But if you want to come and work through uh, just God's grace and God's principles that restore broken relationships with us. Yeah, we do it every week and, and you don't need to make an appointment, just come. And so that's what re-engage is. It equips members of the body to, to just model in the midst of their brokenness and healing for others, the things that God says make human relationships work. So I, I love what re-engage has become and what it's doing for for churches all over. But I, just one last thing. I know you said, man, come hang out with us here. You know, one of the things that we do want to do is God has allowed us to experience what I think he wants everybody everywhere. You know, I, I say God wants his church everywhere to be what we see in Acts 2, 42 through 47. Okay. And, and that means if it's going to be that everywhere, it needs to be that here. So this is, this is our vineyard and this is our responsibility. This is the flock of God among us that we're ultimately going to give an account for. But as God's enabled us to do that, and as leaders upon leaders upon leaders upon leaders have been risen up here, one of the things that we have felt like we should do as the leadership is, is make part of our ministry here to other churches. We're not trying to start watermark campuses. We want you, if you're listening and you're like, you know, I wonder if I would speak the same way if I sat you know, and had a cup of coffee with David about my church, the way I'm hearing Todd and David talk right now. And I would just say, we want to help you get to that place. So... You know, that we do a church leaders conference, you know, every year that isn't telling you tips and techniques. It's just reminding you of what God says a community of faith should look like and giving you every resource we have so that you and your local context, which you're going to be more expert on than we are, can can thrive. And that's one of the my, one of my big passions right now is it's why I wrote the book. Come and see is I want other communities of faith to experience what, by God's grace, we're in the middle of here. And so, man, if we can serve you and encourage you in any way, man, let us know, because um, I want God's church to prevail where you are, 
Okay, and I'll say this one last thing. I was um, I, when I wrote "Come and See," the guy who did what's called the line edit, which is kind of the finishing once over with all the punctuation, grammar that kind of meets the you know the grammar book of the different publishers. He read it and he he, he wrote me three months after he did that work, and he said, "Hey, Todd, I've only done this a couple of the times." is write an author um, after I, I finished working on their book. And he goes, the other two I did right when I was reading it because it was really inspired. He goes, I'm not saying that wasn't the case when I read yours, but I'll tell you, I've never done this. Three months later, I still can't shake wow. some of what you know I read in there about what you're experiencing. And I, I, I can do, my wife and I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we can do whatever we want. We can work wherever we want because I, I just read manuscripts and edit them and send them out. And we're really thinking about moving to Dallas so we can be a part of this thing. Wow. And I said, I said, no, don't, don't come to Dallas. I go, uh, you know, I mean, the reason I wrote the book is so that you could do this in Pittsburgh, right? If you see some things in there that are true and consistent with God's word, different than maybe what you're experiencing, then man, grab some other friends and commit to those things together so that people in Pittsburgh can experience that. Because this is not a Dallas thing. This is not, this is not a watermark thing. There's no watermark way. Okay, there, there's what I really believe is God's way, and so it's the I'm, Book of Acts. It's it, it's what the church's game plan has been for two thousand years. I hope. I pray. I pray it's true. I pray that's the case. Oh, it's it's beautiful. It is beautiful to see see that happening, and your heart for the kingdom, mm-hmm. your heart for the body as a whole, not just at all about you know building a brand or a name, but about building God's church, mm-hmm. and He is blessing that mission. And for those of you who are listening. Yeah, take advantage of these resources. Come to the conference, get some barbecue while you're in town, but then go back to your city. <laughs> Amen. Go back to your city and, and let God do this work. Go make Jesus there. famous where you are. And and, and again, our, our heart is, I think, just to remind people, we want to be a city on a hill, and we want to be people that are experiencing what, I guess, was to say, not being conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove out. In other words, live and experience with your life that which is good and acceptable and perfect to the human condition. So, look, there's real brokenness here, man. We, we are, you know, there are people here who struggle with sin. There are members of our body that, that grieve the Spirit and quench the Spirit and have all the repercussions of that. Our effort to do life together is filled at times with conflict, and conflict's not a problem. All sin leads to conflict, but conflict itself isn't sin. Sin's an opportunity, or conflict's an opportunity to glorify God and serve others and grow ourselves. And so this is not Eden. Okay, this is still earth. Yeah. And, you know, it, it goes back to that authenticity thing you said a little bit earlier. I, I just, I, you know, I tell our body, you know, guys, I'm not going to let you make me what I can't be, which is a, a glorified being who lives in your midst. Depending on your eschatology, there may be glorified beings here living during the uh, millennial reign, right? That Jesus works it all out where the church returns with him. But right now, that's not the case. Right now, I am I'm among you as the people of God being sanctified. And so I'm, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to hurt you. And I'm not going to pretend like my marriage is easier than yours. And I'm not going to pretend like I don't wage war against sin. And I don't fail sometimes. Now, hopefully, and I think appropriately, I don't do it in a way that violates the standards of 1 Timothy 3 or Titus 1 in terms of some of my spiritual leadership. But, but one of the requirements for spiritual leadership is not sinlessness. So I'm not going to pretend like that's the case with me. Yeah, it doesn't help anybody. No. No, no I'm not going to let you make me what I can never be. And I, I run into other friends that are in roles like I'm in, and they just go, man, Todd, I just, if, I, if I told my people or let my people know 
some of the stuff I struggle with, I, they, they'd get rid of me so quickly. And I go, well, bro, why are you letting them choke the life out of you? Yeah. Because God wants you, you know, to be encouraged day after day, as long as it's called today. And when you won't let them encourage you because they can't know you, then you're not some super sanctified, you know, pastor. You're, you're probably going to be the next guy that burns out or that falls out. And I just wouldn't let them do that to you. No. And it doesn't benefit them. Mm-hmm. Even with what Ashley and I do in marriage ministry, we mm-hmm. if we pretended that we never struggled, nobody would listen. But That's when right. I talk about my past struggle with pornography, mm-hmm. or Ashley talks about, mm-hmm. you know, going through anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. and some of the struggles we've had, just uh, and we and some of the struggles we have now, not just past ones, but the present ones. That's when people lean in. Amen. It's real life. But um, yeah, man, I I'm inspired by what, what you're doing, <laughs> Todd. I really am. I, hanging out with your team, getting a chance to meet you, which is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for uh, just being who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness. Because in God's economy, that's his definition of success, I'm convinced, is just faithfulness, obedience. That's it. And and you're you're doing it. And it's a it's an encouragement. Mm-hmm. It's an encouragement, you know, to those who listen, it's an encouragement to me and to the thousands, of course, who call Watermark home mm-hmm. as well. So uh, in any final words or, or you know, better yet, where where can folks connect with you yeah. uh, online? I know. You know what? You already said watermark.org. I do a thing every week um, called Real Truth Real Quick where we take, we say, life uh, lessons on life, leadership in the world that we live in. We either take a topic or some section of scripture that we think is relevant and do like a five to eight minute little explanation of it or how a biblical worldview on it. Uh, it's called Real Truth Real Quick, and they can just um, get that at realtruthrealquick.com or there's an app for it. That's another place to see some of the stuff we're doing. That crazy book, Come and See. But more than anything, we want to know how we can encourage and serve, you know, them. I want to hear about how God's working in and through them. And, and my hope is that every local community of friends who love and follow Jesus are experiencing the blessing that this place is to me. And again, when I say that, it doesn't mean, I mean, that was this morning, it's been an hour and a half, you know, working through some real conflict and pain right here amongst the people of God. And and yet, man, I, I'm always excited. I, I don't, I want to be a king that's going to war in the spring. I, I, I would rather be at the edge of the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army charging down on me, waiting for God to split it, than I would just... Be um, on a rooftop looking at the... That's it. <laughs> so anyway, I, I think uh, we'll, we'll wrap it up. But man, it's a pleasure to share this cup of coffee with you and to, and to get to know some friends on this little podcast. Thanks for coming and hanging out. Todd, thank you again. And for you guys listening, thank you for listening to Coffee with Preachers. Please subscribe. Let your friends know about the great teachings like the one you just heard from Todd. Mm. And we will see you next time. We'll see you, friends. Thanks for listening to Coffee with Preachers, hosted by Dave Willis. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. For more information about this show, visit ConvergePodcastNetwork.com.